everybody. It is Dave and Jeff. It is June 24th, 2020. Dave, I tell you what, this is always fun when our guest is here, but even more so, timing works out perfect. Brett reached out last week. Dave sent me a text and said, hey, Booney's coming by. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. It's always great to see him. But Brett, the timing today with everything that has gone on, we will have Major League Baseball. And I'm just wondering for you, guy who's been a lifer from your grandfather to your dad to yourself, when you look at what baseball is going to be in 2020, what's your first takeaway? First takeaway is I'm glad that it looks right now like we're going to play. Yeah. Um, man, that, that, that is a good question. It's going to be 60 games, which I think is a little low. Yep. But that's the nego- nature of the ne- negotiation, something that big with that much money involved. I understand. I've been on the other side of it. Um, I don't know. I, I think barring a something very health-oriented with this COVID-19 and something really you know, blows up, I think it could be exciting. I, I, these are big league guys. This is Major League Baseball. It's going to be 60 games. Not everybody's going to be happy with that. But if they roll it out right and get those po- get those postseason games scheduled correctly, mm-hmm. I expect nothing other than a, than a sprint, yeah. which is different for us. You know, injuries are going to be key mm-hmm. because throughout the course of a, of a normal six-month season, 162 games, you have injuries here and there. And you're lucky if your star players, you know, they go on the DL for – for 10 days, uh, two weeks. But how much bigger does that become in a 60-game schedule? Huge. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. So you're going to have to have a little luck involved. But I think if you get to the postseason, make that postseason interesting enough how they have it slated, I think as long as you have a – I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be different, but I think people are going to be very uh, okay with it considering what's going on in the country right now and worldwide for that matter. But uh, I, I think baseball is baseball. And the fact that we have it back, if they roll it out right and, and you know, gosh, hopefully nothing major health-wise goes wrong in the country, uh, I think it's going to be an exciting thing. And at the end, you know, I, I, I've been asked this question a few times. Well, is it legitimate? Is it this? It's that. Well, it is what it is right mm-hmm. now. We're, they're doing what they can do. So a 60-game schedule postseason, you're always going to have the people when they're holding the trophy at the end saying, oh, that wasn't legitimate. It was only 60 games. I'll tell you what, for a guy that played as long as I did, I I was fortunate enough to go to a World Series, but I do not have a ring. I'd take it. Yeah. And you can yell at me all you want. It wasn't legitimate. And I, I'd put that ring on and go, this says it is. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 I try to look really optimistically on the situation. You know, these last two months, I wasn't looking optimistically, kind of frustrated, thought they didn't do a very good job at all PR wise and how they handled how they rolled it out. The fact is, it's here. Baseball is resilient. We've been through these things before, and uh, I think they're going to give us a good show. So how does it work as far as negotiations when you're a player and you have a player rep that's going to sit there and relay information to you? You weren't involved in anything super crazy, but you kind of were. I mean, at the beginning of your career, you were involved in in 94. I mean, you saw what happened. Your dad went through it too. But as far as your position on the team from what you're hearing, and and there's obviously frustration on both sides, what is it like and what do you hear as a player as far as, hey, there's the deal that we think we're going to take or there's no way we're taking this deal? Well, well, here, all right, I'll rewind back to 1994. 
uh, beginning of the season, my uh, I talked to my dad. I reached out to him. I said, what do you think about this, you know, union stuff? He goes, and my dad was a big union guy. He was a National League rep uh, in the Marvin Miller, you know, era. And they and they gained a lot of ground and really made the, the union. That's that's where the, the union kind of stuck its flag. And, and it is who it is to this day and so powerful and it has done so well. But he said, if I were you, Brett, I would get involved, be a player rep be an assistant player rep, get involved, educate yourself so you know the process, so you know what you're talking about when people ask you a question. So I did. Hal Morris was our rep in Cincinnati in 1994. I, I signed on. I was a young player. I didn't want to expose myself too much. I wasn't arbitration eligible yet. So I kind of tagged along with Hal as the assistant rep, went to all the meetings, educated myself, was blown away by things I saw behind closed doors. And, uh, I was a part of getting the World Series canceled, you know, wow. and and we were in Arizona and I remember there was a meeting between us and the owners and, and they're very scripted on how they do it. We'll be all sitting there and, you know, I'm sitting in the hotel. Uh, you know, we have a we have a sitting area, meeting area reserved. We're sitting at our table and players are there and guys are smoking cigars, just guys being guys, all the athletes waiting for the owners and they would walk in single file sit up. bud selig always had his seat a little higher than us so he could look down like he's like you're reading books negotiating 101 and i was amazed on what i saw and and i delved into the history a little bit about the 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 trust or lack thereof um there's a lot of bad blood in those rooms through the years on, on not negotiating in good faith and there's always that lingering when anything comes along. Um, and I remember one day looking at, t- looking at the TV and Bud Seeley going to the podium saying, we're going to cancel the World Series. And I went, what? And I think it was pretty, pretty fitting this last week. I don't know if you saw the 30 and 30 with McGuire and Sosa. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty fitting and, and a good history lesson for a lot of people out there. Because you're going to have the cynics and, and the fans right now going, oh, you know, the baseball is going to gonna kill itself and and this is so bad for the game and i thought well this is a perfect time for this 30 to 30 coming on just a little history of the game 94 we get canceled the world series fans there was a backlash and it was noticeable to us the players Uh, we lost some fans there's no doubt about it but 98 they say the summer that saved baseball Mm -hmm. it took that long for the fans to come back so baseball is so resilient uh you know, I've been using this lately, and it's kind of corny, but it's apple pie, Chevrolet. Major League Baseball's in there for me. Baseball will survive anything. It's bigger than any one player, bigger than any team, bigger than any generation. So my experience, you know, was in 94. I, had, I, I know what goes on behind the scenes, and it can be ugly. And from a PR standpoint, as a player, Don Fear told me this when I was a young player. He said, Brett, we're never going to win the PR war, so don't worry about it. We do our work behind the scenes. That's why I saw these players, you know, and nowadays I couldn't imagine, you know, what it was like for us in 94 if we would have had Twitter and Instagram and being able to instantly get our message out to a million people. Uh, it's really tough take, keeping that many players under wraps and, and, and in the same camp. But my, <laughs> my advice for these players is shut up. Let the, let the guys that you've hired, that you've trusted – to do the negotiations because you're never going to look good as a player. It's, it's, it's all relevant, I guess, when it comes down to money and how much you earn for a living. But I'll tell you this, that guy sitting at home being quarantined, hoping his $1,200 check comes, been laid off work, has been furloughed, doesn't want to hear 
from some 25-year-old kid bitching about not getting an extra $3 million. Now, I relate to him. You have a short window as a player to make as much money as you can. And those contracts that you sign, they're important. And if you're getting a portion of that, I understand your frustration. But to, but to live it out publicly, nobody wants to hear that crap. It's just a really bad look. That being said, they got past it. They're going to work. Also, I think something in life, some things in life are worth going to the mat for and fighting for. This wasn't one of them. This was get the best deal we can. Plug your nose, take a sip, and be able to handle it. Owners, plug your nose, take a sip. If you do that and think, ah, we really didn't get a good deal, you probably got a good deal because the real fight will come after 2021 yeah. the collective bargaining. That's, that's, that sets a precedent. That, that goes out seven, eight, nine years. And if you weren't, you weren't able to get something done here, oh, that fight for the next year and a half could have been really ugly. So for the good of the game, I'm glad they got something done this year. It's, it's going to have a little bit of good faith going forward. I still think they should have agreed to something instead of having it implemented because nothing, it's just not the same. They're agreeing to play, but it was implemented. It, it, there's something to be said for a handshake that we both agree, even if we both think we didn't get a great deal. A little disappointed in that, but we got baseball back. Uh, and, and I don't know. I think it's going to be an exciting season. Hey, Brett, I, I want to ask you about 94, because Dave and I were doing local radio when the Chargers were getting ready to leave, and I'll never forget this quote that we were told by Roger Goodell's right-hand guy, Eric Rubman, and he said, the NFL has been successful because when it comes to negotiations, we don't let emotions get involved. We don't get emotional. And I'd be fascinated to know as somebody who was in that room, did you see anybody on the owner's side getting emotional? And did you see guys on the player's side getting emotional? Because what Grubman told us is that's when we win when the other side gets emotional. It, don't think that this is all just buddy-buddy negotiation. Yeah. Hey, we're looking for the good of the game. No. These are high-level negotiating tactics. These are calculated billionaires mm -hmm. that uh, one thing they're not is stupid. They're very smart, and the, and the people they employ are very smart, top of the, top of the food chain in their particular field. Um, they know exactly what they're doing. They're usually, you know, they're older gentlemen. They're, they're well-read. They've had a lot of negotiating experience with big businesses, big numbers. And you got a, and you got a room full of athletes. Some have a little experience, some don't. We don't negotiate. We have our agents negotiate. A lot of the people in that, those rooms, especially nowadays, are 25, 26 years old. They've never been through anything like this. They don't know what it's like. And that's a good point. I never saw the owner sweat one time, and I saw a lot of emotion from the player's side in, in my experience in those meetings. You know, when you look at how things play out with the negotiations, you said you aren't going to win the PR battle as a player. And you hear a lot of people saying, it, you hit it right on the head, you know, guys who are furloughed, guys who are out of jobs. Going, these baseball players need to come back. Didn't help that Bryce Harper, who's making you know three hundred and fifty million dollars, is one of the more vocal ones. But my argument back is, as as a guy that's a fan of sports and a fan of entertainment, we have always paid for entertainment in this country. Even through the depression, we paid for entertainment. And to sit there and say, you know, I would do it, or you hear, you know, why don't you ask my friends? We would show up in a Phillies uniform. Look, nobody's paying to watch you work in your cubicle. 
you might be great at your job, but this is entertainment. This is not everybody can hit a baseball going 100 miles an hour. Not anybody, not everybody can play this game. And that goes for all sports. So I always look at it as entertainment. You can't put yourself, if you're the average Joe, in the in the shoes of a major league baseball player. You you said it right there. Go, our window is short. And you know, you, you see all these games on Major League Baseball Network all the time and going, man, that was five years ago and that guy's out of the league. You know, that guy just came up and he's out of the league already and never had a chance for a big contract. You got to make what you can at this time. I'm more on on the player side. I felt like, as an outsider, this was a great opportunity for Major League Baseball to be the only sport that was playing. You're coming back at a time when the NBA is coming back, NFL camps are opening up. You had a chance to win back a huge part of the sports audience that you have lost over the last 20 years, and I thought they missed a, a golden opportunity. I'm excited. There, there's baseball, but I think baseball again missed the timing of an opportunity there that, that could have maybe carried them on for the next 20 years. No, I agree. And, and I think that's why I said there's some things in this life that you go to, you're willing to go to the mat for and to fight to the death for. This wasn't one. This was a, this is a Band-Aid. This is a part of a season. And from a PR standpoint, you could be seen as carrying the torch for, for the country, for the world right now, while people are grieving and losing their jobs and, and sitting in their house. Man... If you can come on and I can watch my Cubs tonight, what, a, what an escape that is for a lot, especially a lot of Americans. But I think you're right. There was a window there to really bring on, add to the baseball family. Uh, that's my That's mine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Add to the baseball family, not necessarily baseball fans, because there's it's the only game in town, and not only not only in the United States, but worldwide, with not with, with nothing playing live to come out there and have the have the, you know, have the airwaves to yourself. What a great opportunity to grow the game. Uh, that still can be had right now. You know, you got a sixty game schedule. I, I'm hearing from a lot of places. I have not talked to my brother yet. But I'm hearing guys are on the way. They're going to be there in a couple days. That's a good sign. Um, And, you know, I was confused the other day because I've been looking at this and I'm going, okay, there's got to be a way to get this negotiated out. You know, I understand the players. They want prorated salary, this and that. But but I've got to look at it from a fairness standpoint and say, well, the owners are losing a huge chunk of revenue as of now. Mm -hmm. And not that this can't change, but there's no nobody coming through the ticket styles Turn stuff. Yeah, there's no correct. Turn yeah, stuff. Or ticket no style. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Is ticket style word? By the way, <laughs> it's fine. They're not coming through. That's a huge revenue source, and the fact that yeah. they're you're, you're getting sixty games fully prorated. I thought that was a pretty good deal for the players. So not to agree to that, they must want to arbitrate this thing. They must want to legally, some way, and 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 the guys making these decisions are more well versed in this category than myself. Knowing, but but to to discount or, or to say no to that deal and I, I believe it was a something like a 33 to 5 vote I don't know how you come up with 38 votes but that's what I read uh, they must have wanted something to be implemented it, it doesn't make any other sense than no 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 because I know there's I know Manfred's going to come any minute and implement this thing they must have known that there's a reason behind that Bottom line is right now, we got baseball. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I love it because I think by the time we get going, from a broadcast standpoint, what I would do is mic, I'd put a mic everywhere I could put it because I think the sound of the game is going to be crazy like we've seen in the UFC. But Brett, I want you to play GM for me because what fascinates me about a 60-game season is roster construction. 
because when you look at the 25-man roster and just focusing on the everyday eight, maybe that guy that was 11th or 12th on the depth chart, now all of a sudden when you're, all, when you're playing 60 as opposed to 162 and you've got the DH coming in, right? I'm not disrespecting anybody. I'm just using names. The Rob Deers, the Pete Cavillas, the Mark Sweeney's, right? Okay, I'm only playing 60. I love those guys. But what do you do with the pitching staff? How do you set up your bench? What are you looking at, Brett, in a 60-game season that ultimately is going to help you keep playing in October? Well, I think barring barring injuries, which we can never, you know, sure. you never account for those. You never know. I think you're going to go into the season. It's going to be a little bit different. Like those bench players, those key players that play out over six months, mm-hmm. they're not going to be as an integral part of your of your team. The big yeah. boys are going to go, and they're going to go every day. Uh, that's going to be the difference because this is a sprint. These guys are fresh right now. They're ready to go. They don't need a day off a week. Um, I, I think each individual manager is going to manage in a different way depending on where their team sits there to, to get, when to give the guy a breather. But I, I don't think you're going to see as much bench play. Um, I think from a pitching perspective, I don't think you're going to see people manage much different than they do in a normal season. Now, as okay. we get closer – you might have a different strategy. The interesting thing to me is, and I was trying to figure this out, I'm going, okay, you break camp. Normally, let's just say the average big league team breaks camp with 12 pitchers. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I was just kind of doing a little research, but I saw the average big league team throughout the course of the season uses 20 pitchers. Yeah. Okay, eight from the minor leagues mm-hmm. that are called up throughout the year. Okay, so where are we going to put those eight pitchers, and where are we going to put the pitchers to back up those eight pitchers yeah. when two of those eight get hurt. There's got to be somewhere to play, and you can't just send them to random camps and right. or you're on your own, take some BP, or you know go throw a bullpen in the back with your brother-in-law. Yeah. It's like you're going to get a call and say, we need you at Dodger Stadium tomorrow. You need to be getting your reps if you're a starter. You need to be getting your reps every fifth day. So it's going to be interesting to me, those taxi squads, Yeah, where are they and who are they going to play against? Are they just going to scrimmage all year and wait for the call? Most of those guys aren't going to get the call. If you've got, say, 25 guys backing up 25 guys, you're probably only going to use a handful of them because of the shortened season. And how do they trade? I I think this is a learn-as-we-go thing, everything on the fly for all teams. But I think the bottom line is getting that major league product on the field and on television to get those advertising dollars to pay all these salaries. You know, as you guys have said, 60-game season is extremely short. And I wonder, mismatch-wise, we all know about the, the lineups, how some teams will go with a complete left-handed lineup, a right-handed lineup. But if I had, let's say, the San Diego Padres, you guys both might say I'm crazy when I say this, but let's say the Padres open up against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are going to start off with Kershaw and Bueller and, and David Price, okay? Paddock is, is your ace on, the, on that Padre pitching staff. Does it make sense almost to say, well, I'm not going to go my ace against Kershaw. I'm going to go my one against a four or a five, and try and create the mismatch of giving me a better chance to earn a victory because every win is so important. I don't think so. I think you. I think it's almost like if you translated that thought to uh, a little league game, where are you going to hit your best little ligger? Probably first. Why? Because we're going to get them up the most amount of times in this short season, this sprint. I want to get my horse to the to the starting line as many times as I can because I I don't have that many starts. And being the fact that he's not going to be logging a ton of innings, we can start to behave playoff style earlier than we normally right. would. Normally, we're, we're going into September, 
And these these number one starters, mm-hmm. if they haven't been injured, have logged a lot of innings. We got to protect yep. them a little bit because we need them. And then you saw, you know, the historical performance. I think it was fourteen mm-hmm. by Bumgarner. Oh yeah, which is something like a, it's top three sport sport things I've ever seen. Like amazing things to me. Mm-hmm. There's there's the Red Sox that came back from three games down and won four against the Yankees straight to go to the World Series. That was one of the most amazing. The Atlanta Falcon comeback a couple oh, yeah. years ago in the Super Bowl. Where the Patriots come back against the Falcons, yeah. Or the yeah. Patriots come back against the Falcons was was there, and this is the other one. So uh, it's, It is it is going to be uh, interesting to see how this goes. I mean, we always talk about the urgency of the NFL. You kind of feel it in baseball this year. See, Dave, I, I'll tell you why I hate that idea that you talked about. Because if I'm Chris Paddock, then you're telling me as a manager that I can't beat Kershaw. You can't. Oh, I am going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him four times. This is what I'd be fascinated by, Brett. Could you get away by building a bullpen? Could you get away with using a four-man rotation? Could you use a four-man rotation and technically maybe have two effective long guys and now instead of going to that fifth guy, Dave, which would concern me a lot more than having Paddock against Kershaw, could I build my bullpen in a sense where I have two guys that could go two or three innings, and could I get away with four really strong, effective guys that are going to get 15 starts each, assuming, as opposed to five guys getting 12? Man, those extra three games could could matter huge. Well, first of all, I think it's up to the individual. Sure. Each person is different. There are some studs that I've played with throughout the years. Give me the ball on three days rest. This is important. Yeah. Is that Randy Uh, Johnson? Yes, without a doubt. Um but there are also guys that can't, mm-hmm. and they're stars. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be really individualized when it comes to that. And when you say format, so you're saying going on three days rest. Yeah. Okay. Now you got to think about from the owner's perspective is, hey, I got $100 million, $200 million wrapped up in this guy. Is it worth me, if he's not built to handle this, to risk it just for this 60-game season? I yeah. think you're going to have a lot protecting, protecting you know, your assets here. So I think, man, I I just think it's more complicated than we're making it. Yeah. It's going to be each individual. You're going to take into consideration the age, the the track record, the injury history of each individual player to see. Maybe certain franchises can do that. Maybe certain franchises can't. But I do think there's going to be you're, – you're going to have the most intense games two weeks into the season yeah. that you've ever seen. It's not <laughs> going to be a, a Monday night yawner. You know, every game is going to be that much more important. And the thing – the thing that gets me a little bit that I don't like about this whole thing is 60 games. Okay. Well, well baseball's six months for a reason. Anybody can have a good month. Yeah. And all of a sudden you got this mediocre team that's in the, in the catbird seat cause they had a good month. But then I thought about it a little further and I thought, mm-hmm. well, but when you get to the postseason and if it's set up correctly, there's a lot of landmines there that, that, not really good teams can right. survive. They'll get exposed. So I think the best teams will get to where they need to be. Hey, Dave, one quick follow-up. The only reason why I say it, Brett, is because in the days of Maddox or Johnson or Kevin Brown, filling in any of them, we always looked at those guys as eight-inning guys. And I looked at the Padres starters last year, and it felt like every one of those guys was viewed as a five-inning guy or a six-inning guy. So if I'm only viewing these guys as five versus eight – is that where I can get away and maybe tightening my rotation and relying more on my bullpen, which they love with Pagan and Yates at the backside? Well, I think now more than ever. 
2020 yeah. is the is the is the time of the five year or the the five inning guy. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to pay that guy twenty million to give you five solid. I mean, not the, this the, year. He's getting seven. No, right, 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 right. I know I, what you mean. There's I'm only a handful of people that you go. All right, he'll give us eight. Cole being one of them. Sure. Verlander being one of them. These aren't the modern day guy, though. Yeah. On average. Um, no, I, I see your point. Is yeah. okay if we did a four man rotation. What if we decided? that we're really going to watch their innings and say, okay, they're going on three days rest, but we're only going to pitch them four. Mm-hmm. We're only going to pitch them three and a third. We're only going to pitch them five and, and go to the bullpen real qu- quick and really, really stack your bullpen with more relievers maybe than you normally would in a normal mm-hmm. season. Well, that could be a strategy. That, that I'm, I'm sure you're going to see some teams that we're going to be talking about here a couple weeks into the season. Hey, look what they're trying to do. They're doing this, they, you know. There's going to be some teams trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Whether that's going to work or not, so time will tell. Be great. But I, but I think it's going, to, it's going to be entertaining. With 20 games to go, yeah. we're going to see a completely different uh, approach, right, Brad? It's going to be all hands on deck. Yeah. It, it. It, it will definitely be entertaining, and I think that's what this game's about. You were bringing up a little bit earlier, Dave, the, uh, the mic'd up thing. I remember, man, I used to get mic'd up once in a while at the beginning of my career, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't, what is this mic BS? You know, now I'm a baseball player. I get out there. I don't want anybody hearing what I'm saying because, you know, when you're on the mic yeah. all game, sometimes you forget you have the mic on. You got <laughs> private conversations yeah. going on. Now, the public's not going to hear those, but the people in the truck are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've co- completely reframed my thought on that. And, and I think, now I think as a fan, and I'm watching these postseason games, and it's the seventh inning of game six, and they're interviewing the manager. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do next? And I think to myself, wow, how cool is this for a fan sitting at home getting an insight right now? That's yeah. what the game's all about. That's what's growing the game is all about. That's what adds revenue to this game because that's what fans want to see. And the players that would complain about it, now I look around and go, well, see how much money you're making to yeah. play this game? This is a part of it because this is what the fans want. Fans make this game go around. So I think it's great for the game. I'm all on board at promoting this game. And it's a different view that I have. Being a purist and being old-fashioned a little bit, I am. I'm, I'm starting to be a little not as much old-fashioned. Um, but I still like the, the iconic Major League Baseball. Yeah. You know, I like taking a guy out at second base. I like crushing the catcher. Yeah, I'm pissed that those things are gone. But I also see the, the avenues and, and the, you know, the, the, the opportunity out there to really grow the game. And it's little things like that that really, at the end of the day, when you think about it, aren't really big gives. It's not a big deal. Okay, I got to be mic'd. I really don't. There's not one manager on earth that at crunch time wants to have a mic on talking to Joe Buck in the booth. Yeah. yeah. But we do it because it's good for the game of baseball and it's what the fans want. And, and I'm all for that. One thing about baseball this year is we aren't going to see a 50 home run guy. We aren't going to see a 20 game winner. I know where you're going here. We might see somebody for the first time <laughs> since before Jackie Robinson came in, in the league. That's going to hit 400. And you talk about stats and baseball and really baseball stats are more important than any other sport. That is kind of wild to think that maybe one or two guys could hit 400 in 60 games. I don't think it's going to happen. Bellinger would have done it last year. Well, that was last year. And Yelich, I think, was pretty close. Yeah. But no, no, no. I think yeah. it's definitely – okay, 
I, I say now in today's modern day game with with the specialization of the bullpen, I would say I don't care who you are. It's impossible to hit 400. It's not like when Ted Williams did it. Different yeah. different era, different game. You're talking about pitchers back then. Right. You were shocked if you didn't go nine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's different. Um, I think it's virtually impossible to hit 400 in the modern game. 60 games, of course it could happen. But but the player that does it, if he did it, everybody around it, they, we'd know the circumstance. He just, he he would know that I didn't hit 400 in a you know in a real season. Now if it was 150 games, maybe. But with 60 games, you'll know it is what it is. It's still a great accomplishment to to do in 60 games to do that in the major leagues at any time is unbelievable. But I think that he'll he'll know its place, and it won't be that big of a deal. I heard uh, Austin Hedges earlier today, Dave, talking on that exact that he's topic. He's going to hit 400. Well, it was funny. <laughs> but what he said was that I thought was great from a player's perspective was he said, look, if I win MVP, I'm taking it. You give me a World Series ring, I'm taking it. But he said, but if I hit 400, no, it was cool. But I did it in 60 games. It goes, hey, all of a sudden I'm ranking. I've never hit in my life. But I'll tell you what. Yeah. You're still going to win a silver bat. That's still it. Still won the batting That's what title. He said. But I think players are realistic enough to yeah. look at things and, and just, just, just be realistic, and and think rationally. Of course, sixty games isn't yeah. a legit four hundred season, but it'll win you a batting title. And you did better than any uh, any other player, the best players in the world. Yep. You hit higher than them for sixty games, so you earned that yeah. batting title. But to say four hundred, I think the players will take it yeah. for what it is. Here's here's yeah. why I'm incredibly optimistic and maybe I'm a complete idiot but here's why I'm optimistic because we've looked at everything for the last two or three years to bring fans back to the game right we're going to get rid of mound visits we're going to get rid of guys got to stay in the box we got to shorten it up the pitch clock the whole thing I think in a very weird ironic way what we're going to see for the next 60 games could build so much excitement that this may be enough to bring people back and go whoa that was really wild, and I can't wait to see. What I was saying, Brett, was not so much having the mics on the players, but having microphones put around so I can hear what's being said from the dugout to the umpire. What I can hear from coaches saying all that different thing. I got it. You got to be cool, right? I mean, you got to understand it. But I'm just saying there's the sounds of the game, the game within the game, things that I've never experienced in, in my life being a baseball fan entirely. Now, if they present it right, you can go, God, I saw it in a completely different light. I learned so much more. It was a really fun 60 games, and now I'm ready for 2021 and hope to God that we don't have a labor dispute that shuts everything down. Okay, well, I, I think um, I think you're going to definitely see some innovative things. Yeah. Some new ideas thinking outside the box, and, and one of them might be exactly what you just touched on. That being said, nothing's going to be in real time. Sure. So you're not going to be able to hear when it happened because <laughs> you're going to have to have the guys in the truck Doop. going through it Doop. with a fine-tooth comb. That can't be said. That can't be said. Yeah. Because as much as if, if you put a mic on me and we're doing an interview, I'm well aware of what's going on sure. here. If you put a mic on me and put me on the field and put me in a competitive situation, I forget I have the mic on. So I'm going to go places where – aren't aren't for public consumption yeah and i think in a big league clubhouse in a big league locker room i mean me and dave when when we're out coaching the kids in travel ball i'll tell you what we don't want our 
our dugout mic'd up in live time. <laughs> yes, I mean, we right. don't want moms listening. No, to that. no, no. Now we'll have a cool moment where where everything was good and clean and, and it's good for mom's ears. Well, the guys in the booth will edit that and get it to the moms, and that'd be yeah. very cool. But as far as in live time, you're never going to get that. What about between too, the lines, though, risk. Brett? How much, how much for a guy who's been there for the guys that have never been? Just between the lines, if we take the dugouts out of the equation, how much concern do we have with what, what we're hearing from, like I said, from first to third, home to center? A lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, from the conversation for the guy that walks, yeah, you know, ball four, he goes to first, and that conversation with that first baseman from set, you know, he gets to second. Now I come over to second base, see how he's doing, because we're yeah. making a pitch and change, and, and we're, sh- you know, we're shooting the bull. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot. Okay. So, so <laughs> you're still, you, you ain't getting in, you're not getting in real time. Yeah. What's it like right now as a guy who's played baseball for a long, long time that, hey, I'm preparing for a 162-game season. I know I have about three months off. Get my body in shape, ready for spring training, so I'm 100% ready to go. And then all of a sudden, it's shut down again for basically another full winter session, if not longer. And now you got to go back to spring training. I mean, you're, you're a creature of habit as a professional athlete. So right now in, in, in the situation that a lot of these guys find themselves where they were ready for the start of the season, boom, it, it's cut, it's over two weeks before the season starts. Your mindset and your health of getting ready, is this a, an opportunity where guys could get hurt getting ready for the season that we expect to see? Without a doubt. Look at, look at Judge. That was going. They, they said he wasn't going to open on time. Aaron Hicks, you know, I'm just using the Yankees as an example. Mm-hmm. You were going to miss him for half a season. Now you got him. You know, so uh, there were some some positives for some teams to get their big boys back. Uh, I think the overall, no, it wasn't great for for most teams. Um, but I think from a mindset of the, the I could speak for myself. It wouldn't affect me at all. Uh, but especially now for the modern day athlete, these guys are just they're so regimented. They have so many people uh, lining them up. To, to, it's almost like they're machines these days. They're so athletic. They're so they're so trained around the clock. These guys are ready at any time. You know, back 30, 40 years ago, guys would come to spring training to get in shape. These guys are in shape on Christmas Day, so th- that's not going to be a factor for them. They're like race cars, and just they're just revving up their engines. And you're going to let them go here in a minute, but. These guys are more than ready, and they're more they're ready for a sprint. They're ready for a marathon. These these are the best players in the world. A lot of teams in baseball will be doing the saliva test for COVID nineteen. They're not going to take that nine inch swab and stick it up to the brain. But Brett, I'm just wondering from a player's perspective, right? It's been a pretty crazy last three months for everybody. But we've controlled our situation. If you wanted to self quarantine, you did it. If you wanted to wear a mask, you did it. But now you're being asked by your employer to come in with 25 of your buddies and the coaching staff and the training staff, and you're going to be asked to go out and play the game where you're going to interact with 25 other guys from a different thing. From a player's perspective, would any of that make you nervous about being asked to come back concerned everything that's going on? Or would you be able to trust the system enough to say, yeah, I think I'm protected and I can go out and play the game? Uh, I wouldn't worry one bit. Cool. Um, and I want to say that this is a positive for, for Major League Baseball. It's about as first class as it gets. It's about as top shelf as it gets. Um, life goes on for all of us. You know, people got to get back to work. Executives need to get back to work. 
it doesn't matter what job you have. You got to get back to work and you take precautions. You know, maybe now when you go to the office, the common rooms are off limits. You know, you you still got to social distance as much as you can. I, I think Major League Baseball players are no different. They're not going to just go back. They're still going to be cognizant, aware of their surroundings and do the best job they can. I think Major League Baseball will set up state of the art, absolutely the safest environment you could possibly imagine going back to work. So I think now if, if you put Major League Baseball players up against uh, the CEOs of the world or, or the corporate executives of the world, them going back to work, I'd rather be a Major League Baseball player just because of the not only not only the safeguards they're going to put up, but but the, the facility, how they're going to have it set up, who's going to be on hand. Who are they listening to? The, the health experts, they're going to have line. They're going to be the best of the best. Um, it's going to be about the safest work environment you, you, you could possibly have. Does that mean that nobody's going to come down with it? No. But, but for me, I would feel I know Major League Baseball is going to do the best job they can to give them the safest bar environment they could possibly have. And uh, so, so for me personally, no, I would, I, I would have no hesitancy of going back. You know, one of the things that could be devastating to a team is to lose their ace pitcher. So, I mean, just staying with, with the Yankees, your brother's team, if Garrett Cole ended up coming down with COVID-19, not only is he gone for two weeks, but then he has a week after that to come back, that's three weeks in a shortened season. That That's major. If any team loses their ace, whether it's the, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Padres, anybody. And that's why it's going to be so different this year. You know, and that's why baseball is 162 and we play every game. Other sports don't. They don't – or I'm sorry, not every game, every day. Other sports are different. They're less games and they're spread out. So they they have downtime. They have two days off. Uh, Major League Baseball, that, that's very rare. You get a day off once in a while. So I think you hit on a good point. In a 60-game sprint where it's played every day and maybe even some double headers mixed in um, – there's no time for injury. So the injuries this year are going to be magnified three times what they normally are. Because normally, April, one of your big boys goes down. Okay, we got a couple weeks. We can weather the storm until he gets back. In a 60-game in a sixty game season, you miss a guy, that's a quarter of the season he's missing. So it's going to be – wow, that's definitely going to be a factor – that that certain teams that with the ability to stay healthy are going to have a huge advantage yep. and that's not even even putting covid into the equation which could be another whole nightmare on its own hey brett mookie betts comes over to the dodgers it's a contract year for him if you're mookie betts how do you stay out of your own head in a 60 game season coming to a new league and just go out and perform well, I think not only Mookie Betts, but there's a lot of other free agents. Sure. This is the free agent year. It's like, all right, now we got to get it done. Okay. It's, uh, you know, we're four weeks into the season. I haven't, you know, a lot of guys are, are annual slow starters. Yeah. I was. You know, I didn't come out of the gate strong. Rarely in my career did I. So I think you're going to see a little some guys putting some pressure on themselves two, three weeks in. They start off real slow. It's like, wait a minute, I only got eight weeks left. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely, you know, th uh, that's going to be another individual thing. Some guys handle it. Some guys thrive in those situations. Some guys might push the panic button. I think for the most part, when you, when you get to the point where you, you've earned the right to be a free agent, you're well-versed enough. You, you're, you're savvy enough. You've been there, done that enough to handle those type of situations. And I th think you're going to see that the majority of the great ones, they're going to be great.
That's just the that's just the way it is. But you're definitely going to have some casualties that fall to a shortened season. You know, guys that are going to be free agent, not necessarily big star, hundred million dollar players, but just regular, real good players. You know, what if they have an injury takes them out for a month? You know, their stock's going to go way down. This is not a positive thing for anybody, but but it's not something that was brought on by anybody. This was brought on by a by COVID, which is you know, a virus that affected everybody in the world. So it's nobody's fault, but there's definitely going to be some casualties because of it. And, and whether it's an injury, whether it's not having the time to, to, to have that great year to get ready for free agency, there's definitely going to be some casualties on the other side of it. There's going to, you know, like we just went through this draft, the major league draft. Well, if you were a first rounder before COVID hit, Wow, you're 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 rubbing your hands together, going, "Wow, I didn't do anything to screw it up." That guy that was a tenth rounder that was going to play his way into a third rounder, he didn't have that opportunity. So there's casualties and there's also victories, but you know how they even out, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's funny when you talk about casualties. Your your son was expected to go in the draft this past year, yeah, and then now he's, he's he has to go back to to school, and it it does it stinks. It affects a lot of different people. On this show, we talk Dodgers and Padres a lot, so. Jeff brought up Mookie Betts. Yeah, so Dodger fans are saying, wait a second, we only get 60 games out of Mookie Betts and he could be gone. But from the Padres' point of view, you just lost another year of service of Fernando Tatis. So you, you played less than half the season a year ago. You lost a year of service for him or it's, it's spent. And he had a great first year. Padre fans are so excited to see him in the brown uniforms again. If he stays healthy, he's only getting 60 games. But you still lost two years of service to your biggest star and it's extremely frustrating of that that scariness if you're a Padre fan saying can you hold on to him when he becomes a free agent one day? oh oh what you're saying is from a management standpoint normally he would have a lot less time than he's getting credited for yeah, exactly he's, from, he, from he, an arbitration he, he, yes, eligible exactly. time. oh once again not a casualty yeah that's a winner for, for a the Tatis. it's but like for the fans it's a loser it, fans for, it's a loser um that's assuming, Dave, though, in the new CBA that the current the current years stay the same. And there's a feeling, sorry, Brett, you would know better than I would, but there seems to be a feeling and a, and a weird confidence from owners that that might be something that they win in the future negotiations. Wow, so a guy like Tatis could to be impacted. To hold a guy from not being a free agent as soon, is that what you're saying? Yeah, they feel like they, they may win some of that. We'll see. I mean, right? Nothing's been negotiated yet. You mean from an arbitration uh, super twos and and also covering six years to be a free agent? They think they're going to get more. Well, they're just again like I'm not involved in the negotiation. I, I, but I don't think I think this year. I think it's a moot point yeah. for this year. I think everybody that now that we've agreed to play, I think everybody's going to get a full year of service. Mm-hmm. Are, are you are you talking about that? Or are you talking about in the future? I think in the future CBA. I, I, I that would be really hard for. For, the for union what we fought over the years in that union and, and the, the ground that we've gained to get on a fair level playing field and, and have the players make the money they make, to start messing with that six-year number and to start messing with that super two number yeah. for all the, the sweat and tears that have gone into that, that'd be an up. Uh, that would be something. If the owners uh, dug their heels in on that, I, I think that might be a time where, where wow. that'd be a pretty big fight. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you. When anybody has watched Dave when he talks to young kids about the ability to get to play baseball, one thing Dave will always talk about is 
the post-game nightlife in Milwaukee, the bar flies that he loves. Now, Brett, he said, guys, you make it to the bigs, you'll make it to Milwaukee, and your life will change after a three-game series. Uh, taking Dave out of the equation, you played with a lot of different personalities. Over the years, there were some guys, I look at Tony Gwynn, right? His reputation was go back to the room, watch video, hang out, do the whole thing. But there are other guys just naturally that got to go blow off a little steam to get ready for tomorrow. How different is that going to be for these guys when they're now in a bubble in a very controlled situation and may not have that ability just kind of to forget about tonight and get ready for tomorrow? Well, all right. And I'm even going back to, you know, my last year, 12 years. Shoot, I haven't had a uniform on in 12 years. It's The climate is so much different now. The mm-hmm. 2020 player is even so much different I mean, we're in the we're in the gamer world where a lot yeah. of these players, <laughs> yeah. they finish the game and they go home and game mm. and they're on video games like my 16 year old son. is. Yeah. it's a different climate today. It's a different personality. Uh, I think some of it for the good. I mean, these guys are in such a regimented schedule now. Uh, I think with social media, I think with living kind of in a bubble now mm-hmm. where, where everybody's famous and yeah. you notice that in all walks of life. Yeah. You know, TikTok people are famous. Fame used to be a thing where it was John Wayne was famous. Elvis Presley was famous. <laughs> Mickey Mantle was famous. Now everybody's famous. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just giving that example as how the games change with social media. Guys just don't go blow off steam like they used to because they can't. Because they're filmed everywhere they go. The gotcha and if they moment. go to a bar, it's everybody taking a picture. And they can put that on the internet, and a million people can see that in real time. So I think guys are more apt to go back to their rooms nowadays. So these guys are, are conditioned that way. They're not conditioned to, oh, let's go out and party tonight. Yeah. Because yeah. really, they're li- they're, they're kind of are living in a bubble, and they're used to that type mm-hmm. of lifestyle where they're used to going from their from the game to the hotel room because it's so different now to go out. You just can't go out and have a, have a private moment. If you're a big league baseball player, especially a well-known big league player, it's really tough to go blow off steam. So I think these guys are much more well-equipped than say even my generation or my dad's generation. I mean, that was really, you know, back in the (laughs) day, but uh, yeah, if, if anyone's equipped for it, it's the 2020 athlete. All right, so a couple of rules I want to ask you about as far as the upcoming season goes. One is the, the tiebreaker rule where you put a guy on second base and something you and I have, have coached where, you know, it's called, we used to call it the California tiebreaker. You put a guy on second base to start extra innings. And then the other one was the DH. I want to ask you about the two new rules. Which one do you want me to answer well, You first? go with any order you want. <laughs> okay, let's, let's take the California rule. Uh, I hate it. I think it's ridiculous. You know why we did that that rule? Oh, for David? us, they did it because there's a game after. Because there's a game, and there's kids, field. and our facility yeah. only holds 12 games, and there's 20 teams. Yep. So we need to get this thing over. This is the big leagues. Yeah. Nobody's waiting to come in. I don't know why we're doing this. This is a little Mickey Mouse to me. Don't like it at all. Um, and, and I think these things, you know, it, it cracks me up because it's like, oh, we're just doing it for this. What's the, what's the reason for that? There's no time constraints. So there's Is an underlying the rule. Open? No, I think it's an underlying, uh, we might like this in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the fans will dictate whether they like it or not. Now, moving on to the DH, I think it's great. 
and we were talking about it when I first got here before we went on air tonight. Uh, I think the DH is great. Uh, I, I see one downside to it, and I'll touch on that later. But I think it, it's going to enable us to, to 20, 30 years from now look back and go, wow, wasn't that guy a great player? And I gave you the example of David Ortiz. I played against David when he first came up, and he was a Minnesota twin, and he was an outfielder. And he was a two- to three-day-a-week player type guy, utility player. You know, when p- people would ask me, what do you think of David Ortiz? Oh, he plays for Minnesota. You know, he's all right. He's got a lot of power. He went from that to the rest is history. Now he's going down in history as one of the greatest postseason players of all time, probably a for sure Hall of Famer. Would we have got to see David Ortiz without the DH? Now, I know the DH has always been in the American League, but now it's in the National League. And every other major sport is uniform, no matter what side, what league you're on, NFC, AFC. It doesn't matter. We don't have different rules. Uh, why is baseball different? Now, you take the, the purest stance on it and say well national league there's a lot more you know there's a lot more gamesmanship and there's a lot more strategy true but it's 2020 what do the fans want to me they want to watch edgar martinez they want to watch david ortiz uh and they can do without that gamesmanship the purists are still going to be the purists, but i think in the in this game in this era i think they want action i think they want great players i think they want great offensive players that maybe without it you wouldn't get a chance to see i think the dh is going to add nothing but excitement and i think when you get to the postseason if you're an american league team there's a good chance that as the gm you build your team sometimes the DH is your best player. You're paying him $20 million. All of a sudden, you get to the World Series, and you go to the National League team, and he can't play. National League team, you don't, you don't put a lot of money into that position. It's usually going to be a pinch hitter or something because that's not how you play. You don't have the DH. Now everybody will have equal footing. The only downside I see is because in the National League, it's so prone for the the utility player and that super utility player and that 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 pinch hitter extraordinaire. Those are going to kind of go by the wayside because with the DH in place, it's really going to cut down on the extra guys getting as much playing time. And, and you know that right now in the American League, the extra guy, if all the big boys are healthy, they don't get that much playing time. Whereas in the National League, if you got a really super utility player, he's going in double switches, doing the whole thing. So that's going to change a little bit. But I think the positive outweighs the negative, and I think the DH is going to add a lot more offense and a lot more excitement to the game. Yeah, we'll miss we'll miss what we used to see. We'd see it a lot in San Diego, where a, a Padre pitcher may be struggling. He's got two outs in the fifth, but he's up second in the inning. God, can you drag him out, right? Can you drag him across the finish line, or do you have to go yank him and then worry about everything else? And on the flip side, you may have a one-run game, and your guy's throwing a lights-out game, but now he's due up second. God dang, do you try to take a chance with him, or do you do you go to your bullpen? But, Brett, what I'm wondering about is Jace Tinkler, because Jace Tinkler comes in here as a rookie manager, and it feels like all of a sudden, all those nerve-wracking decisions, they Made just told him, hey, Jay's life's a lot you got easier. A DH. Right? You got a DH. It makes it a lot easier on, on, on him. Doesn't he benefit a lot from this? Well, but, but you know, we haven't seen Tingler out there. I mean, sure. he, he may be more prepared for this than any of us sitting at this table know. Yeah. 
Uh, now we'll never have to see that strategic way. But also, too, when you when you get to the big leagues and you're managing, you have people in place around you that have been there, done sure. that. They're there to guide you. I, if, if I were to be named the manager of a big league team right now, my first thing is I'm going to go out and I'm going to surround myself with the best baseball people I know with the most experience that when I have a question, I just go, hey, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. I'm with you. Boom, boom. So he has plenty of guys okay. down in that dugout really to guide him on that. That being said, yes, this does make the game a little bit easier from that perspective. The, the thing you're going to miss, though, the days of uh, Tony Taylor, Manny Moda, Lenny Harris. Those records yeah, are probably John Vanderwall. Yeah, yeah, John Vanderwall. Yeah. You know, those records are going to kind of be safe now. And, and that utility player is not going to. That being said, with the, with the rate that these current players – Go on the well. I can't say it's not the disabled list anymore, right? It's yeah, the, the injured list. The injured yeah. list. With the amount of the players that go on that injured list, these extra players get plenty of playing time. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's evening yeah. out there. One of the rules I I like, and uh, I'm glad they do it. They do this in high school, where let's say you're, you're coaching. Let's say it's the Padres. Jace mm-hmm. is coaching. Padres have a lead. Okay, Jerks and Profar is not the best field in second baseman. Maybe a little bit better of an offensive bat. You have the lead. You take Profar out. You put it in a sub in. Let's say you put in Garcia at, at second mm-hmm. base. And then all of a sudden you fall behind or you're tied. You can re-enter Jerks and Profar back in. Oh, so that it, is one of the rules? That's one of the rules that they've said that looks like, like that. it's going to happen. So for like a guy like you, okay, in the past, let's say, hey, Brett, we got a nice lead. You're going to be in the lineup tomorrow. You've played freaking 28 games in a row. A lot of guys, you, we've seen it. They, man, they're they're done. Boom, they take a shower. I mean, they're already dressed by the time they're we go sh- into that. Shower and two beers yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's a chance. Hey, we might need your bat again. You are, we need you back in this game. That's a little. Uh, pardon the pun. That's a little little leaguey for me. Yeah, it's kind of like they, they, it's a high school rule too. Yeah, I, and that's where it should. But stay. when you think of it, it's like the big leagues, NFL, Dave, can you imagine yeah. taking this out your starting quarterback legs. and then saying well, you can't put him back in? I mean, that's kind of the deal. But, that, but that's football. This is baseball. Yeah. This is America's sport. This is America's pastime. We yeah. do things a little differently. And we don't re-enter games at the big league level. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brett, what about... What about uh... We enter games at the big league level only on the backfield in spring training yeah. against our double-A affiliate. I'm going to... Okay, Brett's going to go down there. I'm going to get 10 at-bats today. I lead off every inning. <laughs> that's, that's where it, it starts and ends. Yeah. Uh, Brett, what about no dipping? Is that going to impact us? Okay. Let's go over the rules. Sure. And let's say what they really are. Guidelines. These are guidelines. I thought they said no dip at all. No spitting. They don't want any spitting. No sunflower seeds either. Yeah. These are guidelines. Okay. Right. Uh, we're human beings. If you're, if you're a veteran big league player, you're 35, 37 yeah. years old. You do certain things. You high-five guys. You give guys hugs. Angel Hernandez says you're gone. (laughs) You spit. You spit. See you tomorrow, Booney. You know, that would almost be like saying, all right, Booney, here we go. Day one, we're just going to change a few things. Third base is now going to be first. Right. I'll guarantee you that first time I make contact, I run to first base. Yes, of course you would. That's just like spitting. You're not going to. These guys are going to go in there very health oriented they're sure. going to try to do the right things but we're creatures of habit we're, we're human beings we've been doing things our whole life one way it's like how many times during all this have you got out of the car and go, oh i forgot my mask right 
because we're not used to wearing masks. Yeah. Those are those are honest mistakes that yeah we want to do the right thing we want to respect other people but we're human beings we're we're going to mess up once in a while i don't think these are going to be things where oh you high-fived him that'll be ten thousand dollars no i did it because my emotions got the most of me and i'm an athlete and i'm a competitor and that's what i do i spit because i spit because i've been spitting my whole life and i'm, I'm going to try not to but it, when you get caught up in the heat of the moment, I'm going to do what I do. And I'm not going to think about it. It's just like having the mic on. Yeah. I don't mean to say bleep, 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 bleep. But I said it and I forgot I was mic'd because I'm not used to being mic'd. Does that make sense, Jeffrey? Well, <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I'm telling you what I'm telling you what they're telling us. The fact that you have to pick up your bat and the donut. No bat boys. Right. Gotta, and and these, guys are gonna make, these guys are going to make honest yeah. efforts That's to why do that. But you have to be... You got to kind of just take a human element and go, hey, he's trying. He forgot. Yeah. One of them that's going to be strange to me, and someone will do it in the first game, I guarantee it, is when somebody strikes out. There's no more throwing the ball around. You know, and and catchers used to pop it up and gun in that shit to third base. Didn't we just test everybody? Didn't we just say everybody on the field's healthy? Like, what the fuck? And I'll tell (laughs) you. Did they catch in the last five minutes? Well, well, I'll tell you this, too. (laughs) Right? I'll tell you this. Setting these rules up right now, yeah, well, they're going to go way overboard yeah. for the optics. Of, hey, we're the safest of safe. Watch us. We're going to implement rule on top of rule on top of rule. And then I just think common sense is going to take over. I hope. We're going to go do the best job you can. And I think you're going to see guys doing the best job you can. And, you know, we're going to screw up. We always do. Yeah. But it's not because we're on purpose doing it we're not right. fighting back we're not rebelling against the no. system it's just when you like i said when you've been doing something your whole life you're probably going to do it i i think you guys didn't think that was that great of an analogy did you when no. i said the third and first no i think it's great because but that's another reason brett why i think watching the game will be really funny Again, depending on how they police it, right? If they make it ridiculous. Well, you're going to have the crazy people on Twitter. I saw him spit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Write a letter. Write a letter. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah. You got to give these guys a break. Yeah. And if guys are over the top, like, you know, pushing it, right? Then you figure Well, there's something. one thing when, when, it's, when it's calculated and, yeah. and it's premeditated. That yeah. watch, I'm going to do this just to spite you. I don't think you're going to see any of that. Cool. Everybody wants the best, and everybody's going to do the best job they can. All right, here we go. Last question for me, and for me, it's the million-dollar question if you're a Padre fan. Last year, your dad's team, the Nationals, were had a losing record 60 games in. Do we have an opportunity this year to see a team that's not what we consider a World Series championship team have a chance to win the whole thing because it is such a short season? Well, the difference between Washington Nationals is if you're putting him in that category, at the end, it was still Scherzer, <laughs> yeah. Strasburg, Corbin. Uh, three legit number one starters. Yeah. So, I, I no, I don't think you're going to. I think you're going to see some guys make some noise that you didn't expect to. Um, but when, when, when the last few teams are standing, they're going to be the guys that have – the likes of a Scherzer, the likes of a Cole, these frontline big-time starters. And there's a lot of them now, Flaherty with with St. Louis. There's a lot of really good, talented, young arms. And I think when you get deep into the playoffs and the guys that get to the end and get to the World Series, 
pretty good chance they're going to have three pretty darn good starters at the top of their rotation. Um, the teams that don't have those three dominant guys usually don't make it to the end, statistically. Right, you said it's been 12 years since you've had a uniform on. As we sit here tonight, we get ready for it. As you look at this 60-game season, you're very comfortable in life after baseball. But is there a part of you that looks at that and goes, man, you know what? I, I kind of would like to be a part of this. I think this is going to be a little nutty. The whole thing is going to be wild. Is there a part of you where you go, yeah, I'd like to be part of this 60-game season? Or do you look at it and go, I'm cool watching from the outside, but I don't think that's anything I'd want to be a part of. I'll tell you this. Um, as a player, you know, you get to play this game. And, and it's one thing you look back, and I'm probably not alone. Um, you get to play this unbelievable game, and I got to play it for 14 years. And, and not that I took it for granted, but you're so focused when you're playing, you really don't really stop and smell the roses mm -hmm. and really appreciate that. And when you retire, it's like, wow. Thank God I ain't got to chase that breaking ball in the dirt ever again. And it's yeah. kind of a relief. And then you go and you live life and you coach your kids and, and you screw off and you go fishing and you go golfing more than a man can golf. And you, and you sit back and you go, damn it, I wish I could play. You know, and you go to the gym and sometimes you get in real good shape and you're watching your diet and some guy comes up to you in the gym and goes, hey, Brett Boone, you look like you could still play. And I say, well, thank you, sir. <laughs> But looks can be deceiving <laughs> because I know I can't. Would I would I like if you gave me my 30 year old body and yeah. said, Brett, we're going to let you play in this. I would jump at the opportunity. Right. But is, is it this the is chance is a, to play, Brett, or is it the 60 game element? Oh, I wouldn't care. Yeah, I wouldn't care. Life is too short. Yeah, we're so lucky to put a uniform on. And the, and the farther I'm away from this game, the more I appreciate what I got to do. And I tell young athletes whenever I can cherish every day you have putting this uni on. You don't know how lucky you are. One day you'll realize how lucky you were. But knowing what I know now, mm. man, I I'd do anything to have that 30 year old body. And I, I don't care if it's 50, 60, 80 games. It, it would be I would be so blessed if you hit me with a magic right. wand and say, Booney, we got you. You're playing in this schedule. I, oh, unbelievable. So last one for me, Dave. Yeah, I, I will say, don't let Brett fool you. I've seen Brett at practice. He oh, looks yeah. like he could play right fucking now. And I, I tell you, one of the things yeah. he'd say to the kids would crack me up. He'd always tell the, the young kids, yeah. there's nothing better than this age and playing baseball with your buddies and being out there on the field. Cherish this moment. And then they'd get all fired up and take the field. Then he'd turn to me. He goes, that's a complete 100% <laughs> fucking lie. There's nothing like being a major leaguer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've said Well, it. because these kids aren't going to be major no. leaguers. These no. kids aren't. So, you know, and enjoy the, enjoy the four for four and a slushy and a soft pretzel that's after all the you game need. and move on. Go meet Mary from your fourth grade math but, class. You know what? That's very nice of Dave to say that. I can fool you. Like, you could put yeah. me out on a big league field right now and hit me ground balls and that looks great. I yeah. can fool you. Like, he really could play. But I'll tell you, if you put me out there for three, four innings, I could survive. <laughs> yeah. But my body the next day, yeah, oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, let me ask you. I, I got two questions for you, but let me stay with Brett Boone today. We take you out pitching machine right now, right? Petco yes. Park. We're just throwing them however fast you want, wherever you want them. 82 sounds fine. All right. Oh, no, no. What am I trying to do here? I'm just wondering how far are you hitting that ball. He jacked one out a couple years ago. No, I got it. Mean. But I'm just saying when we're doing tape measure shot. Compared to my day or right no, I'm just now? saying today. Right oh. now, healthy. We're throwing it pitching machine. 
Oh, so you're, you're going to give me a BP pitch? Yeah, I'm just home taking run BP like the other like yeah. the other guys do. Yeah, home run derby. How far are you how far are you jacking it? Can we go 450? No. Okay. <laughs> 430? No. Be lucky. My best bolt conditions. Great BP pitcher. Me and him are matching up really good. Yeah. Might be able to hit a ball 400 feet. Come on. Dude, yeah. A couple years ago, he played it like in a Cincinnati Reds reunion game. Like yeah, with Dave. Ago. Yes. And he and out. I, but I'll tell you, I told Dave this story. I said, you know, when I get in there and it's, you know, some minor league guys around and. Yeah. And I'm sitting there in BP and I'm trying to kind of play it off like I got really nothing to gain, nothing to lose. But I really thinking, you know, I want to see if I can still go deep. Sure. And I'll tell you, it took the last pitch and I got all of it and it was like <laughs> how far up in this light tower is it gonna God, go so great and it went about six feet over the fence oh shit so you do <laughs> lose something that that explosion that you have in your yeah. legs that you used to be able to just pepper the upper deck in batting practice yeah that goes away trust me well the only reason why i say it is 20 years ago we did a charity event at Qualcomm Stadium for a football camp, and Rolf Benershka was there. And Rolf at the time had to be mid-40s. Um, I mean, what, he played in 81? This was like, so yeah, he had to be... 98, I think, 99, somewhere yeah, there. Yeah, so he was, you know, late 40s, and I said to him, not being disrespectful, he's a great guy. I go, hey, what do you think? I go, you good from 35? He goes, get the ball. He was so mad at me. Brett, I held for him, and it sounded like a cannon going off. And he was for, fucking crushed it. Right down the middle. Guys that have done it, I, I understand, right? Like Hank Aaron may not be going 400 feet anymore. No. But guys that have done it that are in prime condition, you're in great shape. That's why I'm like, dude, you're crushing it. So we will always give you that. Right, but not crushing it like I used to. I got you. I, I, I've been, believe me, I've been humbled. I, they've got me on the field a few times. I, I took batting practice with the, with the A's A-ball team about six years ago. And that was another. I hit one out, yeah. and, and they like threw a party for so me. So great, but it was nothing like I used to hit them, and I knew it, and I knew that that's all I got. So it's kind of depressing, but at the same time, you can kind of go, "Well, I'm 50, and I can still." Be you deep. still got. All right, final thing for you from me: playing in an empty stadium because there has to be an adrenaline of being in the on deck circle at Yankee Stadium in a big moment, or playing at Wrigley. Or any of these other situations where the crowd's going crazy and you know it's you against Chapman or pick, pick the guy. Now you're playing and it's empty. And it's quiet. And it feels like that. Is that weird? Well, it'll be like playing in Montreal or Tampa Bay. <laughs> right? But it's, but no, it, it's definitely going to be weird. Uh, once again, uh, I think it's going to be, you know what, I think I, I characterize that and, I, and here's the comparison I'll make. It'll be like hitting batting practice without a BP cage. Mm. When you first do it, it's like you're a fish out of water. You have no idea. Once you get used to it, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I think it's going to be at first to go into a stadium because the difference is, is I played in front of stadiums in, in spring mm. training. You know, we were talking about earlier backfield. You know, you're going to go down and play double A this year to get some at bats. There's no fans there. Yeah. So it's no big deal. But nothing counts either. I'm just trying to get my reps in. When you're taking batting practice, maybe you're taking early BP. Mm -hmm. There's no fans there, but you're sure. working on things. Things aren't going on the back of your bubblegum card. Yeah. When you step out for the national anthem that uh, opening day and there's not a fan in the stands, wait a minute, how do I get my adrenaline level up yeah. high enough to compete off this guy trying, you know, throwing 100 
-hmm. with an 87 mile an hour slider. This counts. This matters. Yeah. So I think at first it's going to be really weird because it's just going to be something we're not used to. I think within a couple of weeks, the guys will adapt to it. Mm -hmm. Your mind tends to go other places. When, you know, when I was at my best, I couldn't tell you what anybody said to me. Once I hit that batter's box, I, I, I couldn't tell you what it fans yelled at me, how loud it was. Um, the only time you notice the, the, the levels or when you're really in a slump or, or you're doing something that really doesn't matter, like a, a home run derby. Yeah. You know, because it's not, it, it's great if you make a good showing, but it's not the end of the world and it's not counting on your stats. I hear the fans there, but when I'm in the zone and I'm playing a game and I, it, this is probably true for most people, mm -hmm. uh, you, you're able to just tune out that crowd. Like I said, empty, empty crowd. That's something we've never seen before. I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, but within two weeks, I think these guys will adjust to that. That scene in Bull Durham, is there a voice in your head when, when Costner's in the plate, uh, in the box, and he's going quick bat, quick bat, quick bat? How close was that? I mean, I guess it's guy to guy, right? Case to I think case. it's guy to guy. Sure. You know, I've, seen, I've never talked to myself. I've never said anything to the pitcher, but I see, you know, lips, people reading lips and slow, you know, where people were saying something to the pitcher. You know, and, and you know they weren't saying it to them thinking they're seeing him. They're just saying it for themselves. So I think it's individual. No, I was not that guy that had voices in my head. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to keep Brett around because we're going to knock out a couple commercials, then we'll play a couple games with Brett. We're going to start off with Dan Williams. Dan's your guy right now if you're trying to get out of debt. If you're looking to get your first home, the rental market is no place to be. Dan will help you get into that home right now. Dan's the guy to talk to with you. Look at what happened to the stock market today and finances and where your money's at. Make sure you call Dan Williams, 858-688-6813, 858-688-6813. Yeah, Dave, we keep seeing people that have taken our advice, made that phone call, and then bought a house. And all three of us are lucky enough to be homeowners. Man, there is nothing like that, right? The, the pressure you feel when you're signing those papers, but then the excitement of coming home and saying, hey, man, this is my place. Well, you can get there. But the problem is you need to make sure that your finances are lined up. Nobody better than Dan. He's going to help you do it. 858-688-6813. Brian Curry is the guy to call when you're trying to find that perfect home. Brian sends me about six houses a day. I must be his toughest customer of all time because I can't seem to find a house that I go, it's worth moving. And Brian must be going, I'm sending you six houses a day. What's it going to fucking take, Dave? <laughs> and it has to be driving him crazy. Brian is the most patient guy you, you're going to meet. At the same time, he will get you into the neighborhood you want to be in and the home you want to be in. Brian Curry is our guy. He's a fantastic person to deal with. 619-251-1588. 619-251-1588. You know, Dave, I hadn't thought about it until about 24 hours ago. When you think about areas in San Diego, you could go Coronado, you could go Del Mar, La Jolla, Rancho Santa Fe, but the one neighborhood never nobody ever mentions is El Cajon. Why the <laughs> hell wouldn't you want to live in El Cajon? God damn, it's as gorgeous as it gets. Well, you find the house of your dreams in El Cajon. I know guys that play in the big leagues. Came right back. Been all around the world. According to the Union Tribune, that's what they told me. No, they've always been right. So you'll find a home in El Cajon. And then the next call you're going to make is to our next buddy, Dave. Taylor May Pools. Oh, yeah. Alan Taylor, Taylor May Pools. It's going to be a hot weekend. Guess what? Summer is here. It's only going to get hotter. You're going to wish you had that perfect pool. What are you waiting for? Whether you have an old pool that needs to be resurfaced or if you have a brand new pool with full remodel, full model renovations. I'm trying to do this without glasses on. Make sure Taylor May Pools, Alan Taylor is your guy. 619-449-4452. 
619-449-4452. Alan Taylor has a special. Jeff will tell you what it is. Yeah, you better call tonight because I tell you what, our friend Kathleen Bade, who used to be the best at Fox Channel 5, all she does is post messages every day about how close we are to spike number two. So you know the entire place is going to get shut down. All of San Diego is going to get shut down again because Kathleen Bade keeps telling us that there's 9,000 more cases just in the last half hour. So what are you going to do? You're going to be sitting at home in that backyard watching those tiny little fucking lizards run back and forth <laughs> right in the area where the diving board should be. But goddamn if I didn't help you again. Oh, my gosh. So Kyle Fluker's your what guy. What are you doing? I was just going to give this special. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm trying to give directions to Brett. Go ahead. Jesus Christ, you're pushy. I don't know what your problem is. What you is go out and have a few drinks. <laughs> That's Tonight, it's going to be perfect. For the first 27 people that call, we're changing the special, Dave. The 27 people that call, it's going to be the Paul Moyer and Martin special. That's right. You're going to have a pool designed in a martini glass because you go out and have a couple drinks, lady, and I don't know what happens to you. That's not true. Look up Paul Moyer <laughs> and Martin. On it's YouTube, the greatest the clip ever of two news anchors. Uh, call, God damn, you better call Al Taylor now. Because I'm telling you, we are spiraling out of control in this city, and we're all going to be locked up again. At least you can celebrate with a gorgeous new pool. Kyle Fluker is your guy for that perfect website as well. Look, if you have a brand new business or you're looking to start up a business, your website needs some help. Kyle Fluker is your guy. 619-500-6621. 619-500-6621. Couldn't be more proud of the job he has done with DaveAndJeffShow.com. It makes such a difference. So many of you have found out for yourself uh, what a good website looks like. Be the next one. Call Kyle. Tell him Dave and Jeff sent you. All right. We'll play a couple games real quick. We'll, we always do this, Brett. It, I always have Jeff guess. He does a great job. I always ask him how old are they and how much are they worth on these birthdays. I'm going to give you four of them tonight, two of them from June 23rd and two from today. Jeff, we're going to start off with Randy Jackson. <laughs> Randy Jackson. Damn. How much animosity in that family, right? Like where you just look around and you go, this little shit. Like Tito and Jackie. No, 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 not that Randy Jackson. Randy Jackson from oh, American, American Idol. Idol. Oh, damn, dog. Uh, the dog. <laughs> I think the dog's older than we're going to say. I'm going to say Randy Jackson, Brett. I'm going to put him at 64 years old, and I'm going to put his net worth at $10 million. Let Brett, Brett go. you got a guess? Randy Jackson from, from American, American Idol? Idol? 59 and 30. 64 years old, Jeff is right, $50 million. Dollars. 50, Booney. How about that? $50 million. I was right in the middle. Selma yeah. Blair. Ooh, Brett, you want to go first? Selma Blair, the actress. I don't know who she is. All right, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. God damn, Dave, I'm going to blow this one. I'm so bad on these. I'm going to say she's 44, and I'm going to say $7 million. 48, $14 million. All right, so here we go. We got two more for today. This is June twenty fourth. Lionel Messi. Oh damn, Booney! How old is he? The soccer player. Messi. I don't know who he is. Hey, really? <laughs> I really, I really don't. Okay, go ahead. Oh, it's kind of it's a, a, you guys are embarrassing me. I'm no, re I'm really not embarrassed. Oh, no, you've been <laughs> fucking great tonight, uh, Dave. I'm gonna say he's God. I don't know. Thirty four. Thirty three. And I'm gonna say three hundred million. Four hundred million dollars. Damn. 
Barcelona? Yeah. Maybe I'll be good in the yeah. next one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the last one in here, Mindy Kaling from The Office. You know her, Booney? Do you watch I The Office? I don't know who she is. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> uh, Goddamn, Dave, I hate these because uh, I'm going to say she's 36. I'm going to say she's 18 million. Forty-one, twenty-four million dollars. Oh, I was relatively close. That's your th- best. That yeah, your best. I didn't win both showcases, but this is I'm I'm out of this. Okay, one. yeah, I love this version. Explain uh, the game to Brett. Okay, so Stayer goes basically. Jeff started this uh, with with me, and then I'm the guy that always asks the questions back to him after after the first day because it's always fun. We usually do who do you want to be quarantined with? Who you know, um, porn stars from the '80s, whatever. We're doing stay or goes. If you're on a deserted island, you have to pick someone that's going to stay with you on that deserted island or someone you're going to feed back to the sharks. And this isn't going to get me in too much No, so not at all. Okay, but it's not going to be easy. All of them are going to be tough. These are former teammates of Brett Boone. All right. Okay. First one on here. This is going to be tough for you. Edgar Martinez, Ken Griffey Jr. Easy. Uh, <laughs> Edgar's my boy. I mean, that was my boy. I got to, I got to play with Kenny for a couple years. Buddy of mine, great teammate, love Ken Griffey. But uh, me and Edgar's, our relationship runs a lot deeper. That was my, you know, we hung out pretty much solely for for my last five years there. So uh, that's an easy answer, Edgar. Okay, moving on, two guys that I know you're close with, Mike Cameron and Jamie Moyer. Oh, (laughs) that's a tough one. Jamie's kind of, oh. All my kids grew up with yeah. Jamie's kids. We went on vacations. Cameroon. That's my boy. Not a slight, Jamie. I'm hanging out with Cameron. <laughs> ja- Jamie will wear me out. So, Cammy, Cammy will leave me alone. I'm going Dave, with Cammy. I yeah. want to ask, is Mike Cameron one of the more underrated guys in this game? We look back at him. Cammy was he just he had a lot of intangibles. Yeah. I mean he was just you know, the numbers are what they are and he's a great center fielder. I get a chance to play some great center fielders. Uh you know, I think I, I think how he played defensive center field speaks for itself. His numbers speak for himself. But his intangibles were so good. I mean God he was fun to watch. His his demeanor, walking into that clubhouse, flashing that big smile, rain or shine. Uh, he was about as as quality as an even keeled, never too high, never too low guy I've ever been around. And yeah. and my te- my time in, in Seattle, Cammy really, because I kind of my my last tenure in Seattle, I was kind of the guy in that clubhouse mm-hmm. that that people looked to. Cammy really helped me in that aspect. I mean, I could watch Mike Cameron strike out seven <laughs> out of eight at bats, yeah. and that sucker'd come in the next day whistling with a backpack on, looking at me going. Booney, I sucked the last two days, but today's a new day. Yeah. And I'd look at him and I'd say, that is freaking awesome. He's a pro's pro. Uh, yeah, like I said, the intangibles he brings. And, and I'll guarantee you, you interview all his teammates from all right. the teams he played on, they'll give you the same answer. That's why I ask if he's underrated, Brett. Never, never without a smile on his face. Yeah. No. He was so fun to watch. He was so fun to talk to from a media's perspective. But he feels like just a guy because he was low key and just the ultimate professional that he may not get the ultimate credit that he gets for just the way he approached the game that maybe he deserves. But I think I think in not the, that he cares. But. No, but I think <laughs> I think from his peers, yeah, he does get that's that. all, that and, and that's the most important thing. All right, this one's going to be I think tough for you. This one is a high school teammate of yours, also is your brother's third base coach. We're going Phil Nevin, Big Nev. 
or a guy that you see all the time that's one of your neighbors, Trevor Hoffman. Oh, no! <laughs> You're a dirty dog, Dave. Oh, that's tough. Gosh, Nev's like my little brother. <laughs> and Trev's kind of a little bit like my big brother. Yeah. yeah. Grew up with your kids. His family grew up with your kids as well. Grew he up knows with my it, kids. Dave. Your kids are on the island with you, though. To see, it's either you and Phil I'll tell you, you what. You know, you know what? Me and me and Trev never bug each other. Me and Phil get it on each other's <laughs> nerve. I'll go with Trev. <laughs> all right. One I know is a friend of yours. The other one I don't know if you're friends with at all, but I know they're teammates of yours. We're going Deion Sanders or Reggie Sanders. Reggie Sanders. Reggie Sanders. Reggie Sanders is a good guy. All right, got two more for you. What does that mean? That little underhanded. Wow. Got two more for you. I don't know the relationship, but I'm going to go. Me. You see that, Brett? You just ignored me. I'm going to go Jeff Cirillo or Ichiro. <laughs> now that is insider information. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm going hands down, no question, Ichiro. Okay, there are times Jeff and I just say, fuck it, we're going in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, that, that, was, that, was, that was hidden. That was a hidden, that was a hidden <laughs> he's a, grenade. He's a snaky son of a bitch. All right, last one for you. All right, Barry Larkin, your double play duo in Cincinnati, great guy, or Aaron Boone? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, my God. Gosh, I... I I got it. Like you have to say your brother, don't you? Well, one's like I'm gonna go with Lark. A second ago, yeah. I'm going with Larkin yeah. <laughs> because Aaron's gonna drive me nuts talking about analytics. Now I'm gonna side with him on a few things. We're gonna debate on the other things. I'm gonna win the majority of the debates, but he is gonna wear me out on analytics, and so I'm gonna hang with Barry. That's awesome. Once right. again, me and Barry don't bug each other. Yeah. <laughs> My final thing. We'll wrap it up this way. The best meltdown you ever saw in a game that you were actually in uniform on the field can be manager, can be player, can be your team, could be opposing team. You're on the field. Best meltdown you remember in your game could be high school, college, pro, anywhere. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be, be Vanilla. It's right? got to be one to lose. I was right? just going to oh, say, and, and I can't even pick the one. <laughs> there were so many, and they're so funny. Uh, the guy you mentioned earlier in the game, Reggie Sanders. Reggie Sanders is one of the most. You guys knew Reggie because oh, yeah. he played in, Great in San Diego. The most mild mannered. Yeah. Uh, manner oriented i mean yeah. did the guy have good manners was he a kind soul kind Great gentleman deal. but he's one of those guys that he's he's you got to pinch him once in a while to make sure he's real like there's something going on <laughs> there's yeah. something going behind the scenes you're like a psycho and i saw it in montreal when mm. it, it, this game was just on the other day and i was arguing with someone they're like oh pedro didn't hit him he had a perfect game bs yeah pedro drilled him on purpose and i saw that side of reggie i've never seen I'd never seen the look in his eyes like that before. That's one of the craziest looks I've ever seen. I'll tell you who else is like that. Edgar. Really? Mm. Edgar's a kind of soul, gentleman, awesome dude, my brother. And I'll tell you what, there's a breaking point. And nobody, ra you rarely get to that point with Edgar. But if you, if you go over that line with him, yeah. 
look out. <laughs> but, Brett, when those guys get hit and get that mad, does that impact the bench at a level where you're like, we're fighting every guy because they just yes, hit our guy? Yes, because I think it's so out of character. For yeah. Them. You know, you, you have those certain guys that are hotheads and they want to sure. fight all the time, <laughs> yeah. or there's certain guys that will never fight. Yeah. And then there's the guys that, you know what, if he wants to fight, it must be something worth fighting for. So yeah, yeah you definitely have. They definitely have that because of their personality. Brett, it's always a good time. I mean, uh, we, it was we awesome. enjoy this so much. Appreciate you, guys. Love you having me. I'll see you in a couple months. Come on back. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. That's Brett Boone, everybody. So let